golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We will fall to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. Yay. Yay, Rich B. Hey, uh, do you think the Sunrail will have uh, stops along the way for, uh, you know, like Timaquan and uh, Lake Mary and Golf? Yeah. <laughs> Jump off with the sticks. Yeah, bring your clubs. Yeah. Hey, um... There's there's nothing better than uh, jumping on a train and going to play some golf. Yeah, bring your sticks. Uh, you don't look so cool on the bus with your golf clubs, but on the train, maybe, yeah. Um, now we know, Rich B. Soon you'll know. Now we know. Soon you'll Soon know. Soon you'll know. Guy's got one of those... Uh, no pulses. Yeah, great golf swings. You know, just uh, no, you know, you can't really, you know, it's just a flawless golf swing to watch. Uh, and a great finish, uh, hung in there, 19 under, shooting uh, 71 on Sunday, uh, beating out uh, Voboda and Robert Streb and Jeff Overton. But uh, I just loved his interview afterwards. You know, of course, they were uh, talking about uh, the tragedy that had happened over in, in Korea, and uh, he said, you know, he had gone back home and just uh, decided to, you know, just get a little happy energy this week. And, um, you know, I think he was very uh, proud for his country for bringing that win home to give him something positive. Well, I'm sure that meant a lot. You know, I, uh, I'm not sure how many people were wearing those little uh, ribbons. But, uh, you know, it was cool that they honored, you know, the uh, uh, poor people from uh, Korea that the accident happened to. It was uh, kind of a bummer, yes. And Lydia Ko, only 17. Awesome. Prevailing over Stacey Lewis in San Francisco. Uh, wow. First win on the LPGA Tour to add to her three other wins, of course, which came when she was an amateur playing 17 on the year LPGA. Old. 17 years old. And, I mean, just looking like um, ice in her veins. Stacey Lewis playing great. You know, she is just a gritty... Tiger, veteran. You know, she loves. She wanted to win badly, and uh, she she put it right at Lydia, and she just answered shot for shot. Uh, if you didn't watch, it was a just a fantastic finish the last few holes at Lake Merced on Sunday. Great, uh, some great wins here on the LPGA the last few weeks. It's been really exciting. But uh, we want to go to our main man to uh, check in on what's going on this week at the PGA Tour and get his thoughts on. Uh, the tournament in New Orleans. Bob Herrig, ESPN.com with us. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. Another uh, another first-timer here, earning um, 
his spot in the Players' Championship next week and into the Masters next year. Uh, you know, big stuff here. It's sort of the trend, I think, uh, that we're seeing this year. A lot of a lot of under-the-radar type players, maybe ones that don't immediately come to mind when you think uh, of who's going to win an event. And uh, that's just the way it's been going. It's, you know, it's, it's it's a great time to break through. I think uh, if you're if you're a young player out there right now, you look up and you see uh, some of the players who have won in recent weeks or over the several first several months even. You have to say, hey, if they can do it, why can't I do it? And uh, you know, I think that's what we're what we're seeing right now. And it's uh, you know, it's it's golf is sort of in a in a bit of a phase of parody. And uh, we've had, other than, you know, Bubba winning twice and, um, you know, we had some other guys who aren't very well known who've won multiple times, Patrick Reed and, and Jimmy Walker. But, uh, you know, even those guys are a bit of a, you know, came out of nowhere. So um, it's uh, that's the trend this year. We'll see how if it keeps going. And I was going to ask you that question. If, if uh, you're looking for another first-timer, maybe somebody under the radar, such as in the winner last year, Derek Ernst, um, who, who, would, who would you be picking this week at Quail Hollow? Yeah, gee, there's, you know. Out of the first-timers. So I think there's so many guys that fit that mold now. Uh, uh, you know, guys you've not won before, uh, uh, yeah, I have a hard time coming up with, with one right off the top of my head, but there's, you know, we, we it, it's probably somebody that, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I knew who Derek Ernst was last year until I saw him here playing in the tournament. Uh, uh, you know, and the fact that he could come here, actually he, has, he was an alternate, got in the field sort of, you know, late, wasn't sure if he was going to play, and ends up winning. He beats Phil Mickelson. You know, Rory was in the mix, Lee Westwood. Uh, yeah, I just think uh, that's that's sort of the caliber of player that we have out there today, and uh, uh, you know it's it's you're, you're I think it gives other guys confidence. I think there's there's sort of an attitude like, hey, you know, why can't I do this if if somebody else is doing it? I know I'm just as good as that guy. Uh, you know, Jonas Blix is a guy who hasn't won uh, a lot. Uh, uh, is actually contended in a couple of majors, and uh, you know, did anybody even know who he was before? Uh, Tell us a little bit Mark, about this Andrew Vaboda, who finished a second here at, last week. It was his first top ten finish on the PGA Tour. Exactly, he tied for second, and uh, uh, I think his best finish before that was fifteenth. You know, he's a guy who came from the Web.com Tour, and you know, there's a. You know, what well, we've got a couple dozen of those guys who, who you look up and there he is contending for a chance to win, and it's uh, it's got to be a a boost to his confidence to to come that close. Uh, Robert Streb, as you met, mentioned earlier, was another one who was up there. He's never won. Um, you know, I'm just trying to look at some of the names in the field this week: uh, William McGirt, uh, uh, Billy Hurley. Uh, you know. Would we be surprised if those guys were to were, were to prevail? Uh, you know, I think the other interesting thing is some of the guys who've won haven't shown a lot of form before they did. You know, they kind of put it together, and uh, uh, there you have it. You know, it's uh, it's uh, uh, you know a winning week, and and uh, shows how hard it is too, because you know that it's it's not that easy to sustain. 
Well, it's hard to believe that Rory won this tournament in 2010, four years ago. It, it just doesn't seem like it could be that long. And uh, for the first time, has fallen out of the top 10 in the world rankings. So, um, you know, but he's starting, you know, to play better, or at least has been a little more consistent. What do you think about, about Rory this week? You're right. He has played pretty well all year, actually. He's been in the top 10 a lot. He just hasn't won. And uh, he fell out of the top 10 this week for the first time since January of 2011. A lot of that is due to the fact that, uh, you know, some good finishes two years ago are falling off his record. And uh, obviously he slipped down last year when he when he wasn't uh, performing as well. You know, he won five tournaments in 2012. So the fact that he didn't win any of those events in 2013, he's going to slip. Uh, he's not going to keep those, that same number of points up there. So, But, you know, I like him. He likes his golf course. Uh, uh, he, he noted himself that uh, he was second or third to the bottom of the field in putting at the Masters uh, and still tied for eighth. You know, he just didn't make anything and uh, found a little, a, a little something in his putting that he feels pretty good about working on. And, you know, that, that's really what, it is, what it's about for, for – uh, Rory is getting a few putts to drop. Yeah, speaking of putts dropping and not dropping, Keegan Bradley was all over the uh, hole, lipping out. He had a pretty good chance to win that thing if he shoots a decent number on Sunday. Absolutely. I I think it was a bit of a disappointment that he wasn't able to take advantage of that. In fact, I believe early in the final round he was tied for the lead for a brief time, and then he ended up shooting 75. Uh, and, you know, he's been there a couple of times. He was there at Bay Hill also. He was in the mix. Yeah, he, he finished second, uh, but, uh, you know, had, had a pretty good chance at the end and wasn't able to get it done. Uh, so, you know, he's been, a, he's been going through a bit of a tough time. It's, uh, almost, uh, two years since he last won. And, and I would think that, uh, that, uh, you know, he's, he's fit to break through here one of these times. But again, it just kind of shows we're, we're having a year where guys like him, past major winners, are not winning. You know, except for Bubba, of course. And uh, you know, but we haven't seen Adam Scott win this year. You know, Phil hasn't won. Rory hasn't won. Uh, top guys like Kenwood Stenson haven't won. So uh, you know, it it, it kind of makes for a wide open feel to things. Hey, Bob. And and speaking of top guys um, who uh, also have seemed to have disappeared. You write in um, ESPN.com, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, about uh, where the heck is Anthony Kim? Here is a guy that we were talking a lot about a few years ago. What's uh, what's happened to what's happened to him? Yeah, well, you know, credit where credit is due, the Golf Channel reached out to his representative, and and basically, uh, you know, it's it's been two years since this week since Anthony Kim last played on the PGA Tour. I mean, two years. I mean, uh, it's a lot of time to give up, a lot of money uh, not to be winning. Um, he's fallen to 1,700 in the world or something like that. Uh, uh, he originally he originally pulled out of here after the first round two years ago because he needed to take care of uh, a, a persistent shoulder problem. And that turned in, a couple of months off turned into two years. He he ended up hurting his Achilles while training, and uh, obviously that's an injury that takes a long time to get over. But nobody's quite sure why it's taken this long. Um, you know, you, you'd have thought that that he would have recovered from from both by now, and 
Coach not get a whole lot of information. His, his agent basically said that he's hoping he returns this year, yet he also admitted he's not been playing golf. You know, so is he still injured, or was there a recurrence, or is there a lack of motivation or desire? Or, uh, it's a bit of a, an odd story there because obviously the guy had incredible talent, won three times before age 25. He was second in the world uh, for a time there right after uh, the 2010 Masters. And, you know, now he's, now he's not even anywhere on the radar. And, and another guy who had a, a great finish in New Orleans, speaking of uh, past champions, David Duval, tying for 25th in New Orleans. Yeah, I think it's his best finish in three years. And uh, he's playing the sponsor exemption game, trying to get in tournaments that way. It's a shame he didn't get top 10, which would have got him into this week's field. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I sort of give him credit for for persevering he's been through a lot of ups and downs in his golf game over the last 10 years injuries malaise you know the last couple of years he's made this effort to try to get back and uh and really hasn't had much success and yet he keeps going at it and uh it would be nice to see him do well well we've seen a lot of comebacks on the tour and henrik stenson is you know one of the greatest ones as we know from last year so uh we never know what to expect but um you know, always uh, always a lot of stories to talk about uh, week to week, no doubt about it. And nobody that covers it better than Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Thank you, Bob. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to 740 The Game, the Golf Insider. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the Fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with Rich B. Fairways of I-4, a little wet out there, Rich B. Back into the Thunder Boomer season. Boy, did I drive through some crazy weather yesterday. Woo! Yeah, you know, and they got that tournament in, in New Orleans just in time. I mean, if you have seen the uh, weather reports, uh, you would have seen there was some big-time weather coming in. The panhandle got hit really hard yesterday. They got a bunch of flooding, rain up there. bad Crazy. flooding uh, up at I-10. But I'll tell you, I haven't uh, driven through such blinding lightning in a long time. The uh, skies were looking pretty mean crazy, across uh, crazy weather. Orlando the other day. But um, anyway, we were just talking about Anthony Kim, and you know, Rich, we talk every week about the wide range of players capable of winning on the PGA Tour, and then you look at, you know, the players that have fallen off the radar. I mean, Anthony Kim, number two, climbed as high as number two in the world. What year? Uh, 2010. That was when his yeah. last win was at the Shell Houston Open. And uh, now ranked 1,529th in the world. That's a long way to go. In two years. You know, and this guy like, can't even rate anyway. He hasn't even played. He hasn't even registered uh, uh, any uh, entries. But, I mean, you know, he was a superstar on the 2008 Ryder Cup team. Yes, I know you were there. Absolutely. And uh, the 2009 U.S. President's Cup. And, you know, so they're just, you know, you've got the stories of the, you know, the, the young rookies coming out and then the veterans. And then, like we saw in the Masters, so many of the longtime, you know, players and 
And then you've got these stories. David Duval, as we were saying, still trying to, you know, still trying to light that fire again. Um, I, it makes golf, I think, the toughest sport there is. You got to go out there and earn your paycheck every week. Every week, every week, you play hard. And you know, for a comeback story like that, David Duval, this is a true love of the game. Okay, you can take everything else away from me. Don't take my clubs, just so I can compete. And you know, this is a, a big deal for these guys. You know, the, it's you know, kind of justifies my being, my existence. You know, it's my worth. Well, we've got uh, one of our favorite big dogs on the line coming up next, Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post, who was in New Orleans for the tournament, um, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the win. Hey, Steve. How are you? Great. Great to have you on. Uh, Soon you'll know. Tell us a little bit about Soon. Very impressive ball striker. I mean, for for, uh, a lot of listeners who have, We've never heard of soon. I mean, he, and he has been out a couple of years, and of course has been playing much longer than that uh, in in Asia. Uh, this kid's been known for quite some time, even though he's only only 22 years old. Um, you know, the, the great thing about him is he's very old school in his ball striking. I think I wrote this week that not since Jerry Pate have we seen somebody be able to work the golf balls uh, around a course the way he did. Sunday in New Orleans. I mean, he kind of hit shots on command. He needed to needed to ride a win 30 yards and you know hit a medium trajectory shot. He was able to do that. He needed to punch down a long iron. He was able to do that. You know, needed to hit something high and cutting, and he was able to do that. So uh, you know, it was really fun to watch uh, that kind of shaping of shots again. I mean, since the modern equipment has come out, we haven't seen very much of that. And to have him do it was uh, was really kind of a treat. Yeah, that's not your average uh, round of golf there with the shaping of the shots. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because there's very little of that between the ball and the club these days. There's not a lot of uh, left or right, you know, a little cut, a little hook. Uh, you know, that's pretty impressive, though, that uh, that you actually noticed that and gave him kudos for it. That's really cool. Well, you know, it's interesting because I mean, you remember when the when the ball and, and club allowed you to work it, and, and it was it was fun to be able to shape those shots. You got trouble on the left, you've got a lot of fairway out on the right, so you start it to the right, kind of hook it back in. You know, it hits on the front left of the uh, front right of the green, rolls to the back left. Those are shots nobody hits anymore. Uh, but for one thing, the golf ball doesn't really allow you to do it very much, but. When you see a professional going out and doing that again, it's it's uh, it's really neat because I think younger guys can look at that and say, "Wow, there are many ways of playing this game." Talk about comeback stories. You've got Eric Compton, a two-time heart transplant recipient, finishing tied for fifth. This might be, I think, is his best finish in a PGA Tour event. Am I correct, Steve? He has two T5s this year. He had a T5 at Bay Hill and a T5 in New Orleans. So he continues to play well uh, uh, early in the season. I mean, he is just an amazing story. You think of, you know, what it takes week to week to go out and and grind it on tour and, uh, you know, the travel schedule and then to be, you know, dealing with uh, the medical issues that he has. He's, it's just, it's amazing. You know, and you look at, for a heart transplant recipient to be able to get out and go to a golf tournament would be one thing. For him to be able to compete week in and week out, it may be one of the best stories in all of sports. And when he wins, 
Uh, and I, I believe, given the way he's playing, that he's going to have one week where his putter is really on fire and he is going to be able to, to pull it off. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a story that transcends our game. I mean, to have to have someone with those conditions, I mean, he takes two handfuls of pills a day. You could cuff your hands like you were holding a bowl of soup. That's how many pills he takes a day uh, because of the anti-rejection medication and the heart medication and all of the things he has to do. Uh, and it's nothing short of extraordinary. I mean, you watch him play, and you would never know that anything like that had happened to him. Yeah, just um, truly, truly inspiring. And we turn to the LPGA. And speaking of inspiration, 17-year-old Lydia Ko beating Stacy Lewis. What a finish the LPGA had on Sunday out in San Francisco. Oh, it's spectacular, wasn't it? I mean, you had two of the game's best. You had uh, just wonderful people. Uh, I, I mean, Lydia Ko is, is tremendous. I I have said all along that uh, that if Stacy Lewis and Suzanne Pedersen want to get to number one, they better hurry because once she reaches it, she's going to be there a long, long time. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be very long before we're going to be talking about Lydia Ko as the number one player of the world for perhaps decades to come. But it's really special to see the LPGA in general. I mean, it's the best show in golf right now. I mean, you've got great personalities, you've got great golf. These these ladies are hitting tremendous shots. The storylines that are happening week in and week out there, I'll tell you, if people aren't watching, they're cheating themselves. Yeah, Michelle Wee, Lexi Thompson, uh, Paula Creamer, you know, uh, winning yeah, after. Jessica Corda. I mean, just, just look at the winners we've had this year. You've got Paula Creamer, Jessica Corda, Michelle Wee, Lexi Thompson, uh, Lydia Coe. I mean, it's tremendous. I, I, and, you know, Corey Webb coming back. It's, a, it's, a, it's been a great season thus far, and it's uh, shaping up to be that way for the rest of the year. Well, there's great coverage at Global Golf Post, so tell our listeners how they can get uh, their Global Golf Post in their email every Monday morning because you guys are covering all over the globe. This is so simple, anyone can do it. You go to globalgolfpost.com, sign up. It will show up in your inbox. It's a free subscription every Monday morning, and uh, we take the global part very seriously. We, we cover the uh, golf all around the world. You do. And, Steve, we appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. Thanks, Holly. Talk to you soon. All righty. You're listening to 740 The Game, the Golf Insider. Stay with us. We've got Jeff Shane from the PGATour.com coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play a pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. It could just make We're back, the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B. Hey, Rich, did you see um, the alligator that went after one of the guys? Golf balls over the weekend. They grow. And, they grow pretty big. And out I there. forget who it was. It was one of the players who like grew up in the area. He just walks right over and sticks them with a rake. Nice. While the other player was running off the green, <laughs> scared to death. But um, they have some big gators down there at the uh, or up there at the at the Zurich Classic. Uh, but one of our favorite gators. Well. You know, sunshine gator. Uh, 
coming up on the line right now. I hear him laughing. Jeff Shane, PJTour.com. Hey, Jeff. How are you? And don't forget that we had the Hornet attack on Pablo Rafaball over in the European Tour event the week earlier. Yeah, and he, so, what, jumped in the pond or whatever, stripped off his clothes? It was classic. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm thinking possibly locusts yeah. at uh, the event this week. Golf, golf becoming a hazardous sport, but, uh, yeah, my goodness. Well, Quail Hollow, one of the you know, one of the best tournaments all year. The players love it. They love the golf course. Great finishing a couple of holes. What do you what do you see this week, Jeff? Well, actually it's kinda of interesting. Since the players championship has moved into its Mother's Day slot, um that's actually made it kind of like the Houston is the preparation event for a major and you get this kind of breakdown of players who want to play the event before a big event to kind of go in with some momentum and players that don't play the event before a big event. And it, it used to be that this was, this field was as good as any non-major out there. But what I see in the, uh, in the field this week is a field that has a lot of marquee names at the top, has about a dozen marquee names at the top, and then it, it has no middle. And then you've got – the rookies and, and and the guys that are looking for their first PGA Tour win and things like that. So it's kind of an interesting balance of talent this week. Well, the golf course, the Green Mile, which annually ranks among the toughest three-hole finishing stretches on the tour, they said has uh, had been a, been a little bit damaged because of the unseasonably cool, wet spring, of course, uh, they've had up there, and that they actually had to resod a couple of weeks ago. Um, do you have any news on how the course is shaped up? Well, actually, that's what happened last year. Uh, the, last year, those greens, the vet grass greens, uh, had to go through an awful summer the year before, and they got it went from it went from hot, hot, hot summer to a very cold winter to a cool growing period coming in, and they really had to uh, just get through the week. I, I talked to Chris Deriso, the superintendent over there, earlier in the week, and he said last year was the worst thing he has ever gone through professionally uh, in, in, his, in his career. And his career involved, it includes a lot of top-notch courses, including MacArthur Golf Club down in, in Hope Sound, uh, Greg Normansville, of course. But uh, during the summer, uh, because of the situation, they fast-tracked a plan that they were going to do anyway to replace all the greens with Bermuda grass greens. This was something that they were going to do in advance of the 2017 PGA Championship. Uh, they fast-tracked it to last year. They brought in the Bermuda grass. Uh, unfortunately, they had a cool summer. They needed a, a really hot summer to get that Bermuda to take hold the way they wanted. So it's a little firmer on the greens than they want it to be. But it's a heck of a lot better than what they had last year. Firm green. So uh, that would benefit a, a good putter. Uh, is there anybody on your radar you see uh, for, for this weekend? Well, I think what, um, not only do they have to be a good putter, but you've got to be really precise with your approach shots. Because uh, if you land, a, land a too close to your target, especially if you have no spin, it's going to be very hard to hold the green. So I'm, not, I'm actually look, looking at good iron players uh, to, to do well. And, again, there's, it's a very top-heavy group. There's about a dozen guys that have, uh, that, that have good 
uh, experience. And, and the guy at the top of my list, I'll give you two. One is Rory McIlroy, former champion, uh, lost a playoff uh, a couple of years ago when Ricky Fowler won. And uh, I also like Lee Westwood. I think he's on a real upswing. He was seventh at the Masters. He was 17th uh, at, at Houston the week before that, went over to Europe and then one uh, in South Korea. So he's actually coming off a victory. Uh, actually, it was Malaysia. He's coming off a victory coming into the tournament this week. I'll add another one. If you think about how he hit his irons at the U.S. Open uh, last year, how about Justin Rose? Uh, and uh, I think that's actually a very underrated pick because when we're talking about replacing the greens, going from bent grass to Bermuda, Justin lives down here. He's very familiar with Bermuda greens and has a very good performance record in Florida. So I think that the change in greens might actually benefit Justin. And how about Phil? Uh, you know, he hasn't really gotten his game going, gotten it on track this year. And we all know we're coming into the Players' Championship and then the U.S. Open, and we know that's, you know, that's the tournament that's on Phil's radar that got away from him. Uh, so what do you think about Phil? What's, what's going on? Yeah, you know, I think with Phil, I think he's coming to a good place. He's he's comfortable on this course. He's got a half dozen top ten finishes. He's got three or four top fives. And if you remember, he was actually leading the tournament with three holes to play last year, bogeyed 16, bogeyed 17, and that opened the door for Derek Ernst. Remember him? Yeah, uh, who? Derek who? <laughs> but uh, he, he, believe it or not, he is actually the all-time money leader at Quail Hollow in the 11 years that they have played the event, and he hasn't won the thing yet, so maybe he's due. But it's hard to, it's hard to tell when he's going to be on. I, I think he's at the point of his career where when he is on, he's going to have a week like he did last year in Phoenix where he threatens 59 and runs away with everything, but you never know when it's going to come. Well, you know what's a little surprising is, you know, Phil usually does crank it up and, and gets things going when he's out on the West Coast, you know, and it, it just didn't, he didn't seem, it just didn't happen this year. Is You know, has he been fighting any injuries or anything behind the scenes here? Remember that he had the back problem that crept up at Torrey Pines, and then he played through it uh, at Phoenix the following week because he wanted to defend his title. Uh, did take uh, Riviera off and uh, uh, let his back heal, but uh, he has definitely uh, had had health issues. Uh, I don't know if he's fully recovered. Uh, he's obviously taken uh, a couple weeks off since the Masters and had the early exit from the Masters. So hopefully his health is good. And, and he, like I say, he's coming to a place where he feels comfortable. So uh, I would not put it past him to have a good week this week. Well, and then speaking of back problems, Again, it's hard to believe that it was a year ago Tiger Woods won the Players' Championship. Of course, uh looks like now Tiger's out till the, the British. But uh, the Players' Championship in Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra, right down the road uh, here. Jeff, what do you see uh, as, as we look to the players and, uh, you know, the best field in golf? The best field in golf and, and the most topsy-turvy field, perhaps, uh, as far as the way the year has gone, believe it or not, there are only three players in the current top 20 of the world rankings that have won a tournament this year. And one of them is Jason Day, who's got the thumb issue and hopefully will be able to play next week. 
but uh, he's had he's had problems too. So uh, it's a very wide open dynamic on a course that that favors absolutely no one. And uh, you know, when you got a 144 man field, you got to start flipping coins early to pick a winner. And another great finishing uh, three holes, as we know, especially with the Island Green. And a change in the playoff. Can you share uh, what's what's happening uh, this year with the players? Well, yeah, they are adopting the, the same type of playoff format that you see at the PGA Championship and, and at the British Open in that they're going to go to a multiple-hole playoff. It's not going to be one hole, sudden death, or, or you know, first birdie wins type thing. They're going to play a three-hole playoff uh, and they're going to go right back to the heart of the course, 16, 17, and 18, to do it. Uh, and uh, I think that that's really the best way to crown a champion. I think that uh, you, it takes the luck element away, the chip-in. Uh, obviously, chip-ins are, are good in a three-hole playoff, too, but it, it, it's not the curtain-slamming-down type ending. Uh, and it, it also eliminates the possibility that somebody can be eliminated immediately uh, at sawgrass, if your well-struck tee shot doesn't hold the green at 17 and bounces off the back. Yeah, it makes great drama for TV, but given how tough that tournament is, I, I think this is a great move and uh, will be great for fans as well. Absolutely, and it's a great set of holes because 16 is a great eagle birdie possibility out there. Then you go to 17 with all the drama, and you kind of throw your chips into the middle and see what happens. And then 18 is such a tough hole with water all down the left and all those mounds on the right. And, uh, it's a great combination of holes because you can, you can take advantage of a birdie eagle opportunity, but you've got to hold on through 18. Great stuff. As always, Jeff Shane from PGATour.com. Thank you so much, Jeff, and uh, we'll be uh, seeing you up at the players next week. You're listening well, to 740 The Game. Yep. We, 740 The Game, the Golf Insider. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4. Wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk. Holly G and Rich B in the house. Rich, it's that time of year. We're coming into the NCAA Regionals. And the championships, both the men's and the women's collegiate championships coming up. And um, we're going to go to the guy and the magazine that covers it so well, Lance Ringler from GolfWeek.com, to uh, give us the scoop on how it's going to shape up for the collegiate championships. Hey, Holly, how are you? Great, Lance. So give us the rundown. I know the women's starts next week, correct? Yeah, the the women's uh, the women's NCA committee announced the the postseason for the women on Monday, and uh, they start regional competition beginning next Thursday, and uh, they play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at three different sites. Uh, there's 24 teams at each site, and the top eight teams will advance to the national championship later this month at Tulsa Country Club. So the women are up first, and then the men are followed about a week behind. 
And uh, where give us a lowdown on um, the, the top teams. The, so let's so let's go down the top five teams on on the women's and then the men's that we should be uh, keeping our eye on. Well, obviously in the women's game, it's it's the same old teams that we see every year. Uh, Southern California, who won it last year, they uh, they've been number one all season long. Um, UCLA has been right there behind them, and, and Duke, who won you know like six championships in a ten year period there for a while, uh, is back and, and they finished second actually last year behind USC. So. They're, they've been in the top, you know, three or four all year. Stanford just won the Pac-12 championship, and they've been playing really well. And then after that, you know, there's a, there's a, a variety of teams that, that can play well in any given week. But those are your those are your four main ones heading into the postseason right now. And in terms of the men's, well, the men they're just they still have conference championships, and there uh, there's a few of those that have to be played this weekend. But you know, the men's championship is always exciting because we have we have so many teams. Now, and with match play being the format, uh, it's a six-year for match play to determine the national champion. Um, makes it really exciting. But, you know, you have Alabama, who was defending national champs. They've been, they've been good all year long, been ranked number one all year. Uh, Georgia Tech and Georgia are both really strong. They've been, been near the top. Uh, California, who had the great team last year, uh, they've, been well, they've been playing well this year, too. Um, Oklahoma State has been well. You know, local flavor, UCF, uh, has been a really surprising team this year. They kind of popped into the top ten, and they haven't went away. They just kind of been hanging around there all year, and, and they have a really good team. And if they if they have a, a week where they get themselves into the top eight after 54 holes of stroke play, you know, you could have a national champion right there in Orlando. Uh, Bubba Watson going back to, to his alma mater uh, last week and paying a little visit to uh, – University of Georgia, as well as Chris Hack over there. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Bubba, you know, he, played, he spent a couple years in Athens and, uh, you know, went back for, I believe it was our student-athlete appreciation night or student-athlete awards night, and uh, I think he entertained the crowd. And, yeah, that's what's really cool to see now. We didn't see that much, Holly, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it seems like the kids or the players on tour now really embrace their college years, and maybe it's just because they're younger and, and there's just not the disconnect that we see from what we might have used to see. I mean, these kids are, you know, some of these kids are out on the tour winning at 23, 24, 25 years old. So their college years are still fresh in their minds. And, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of a lot of relationships that, that, that stay together. And it's kind of fun to see, for, especially from my standpoint, covering the college game. Yeah, and uh, Michelle Wee visiting Stanford when, uh, yeah. you know, they, they were out uh, out west. So that was really cool. And uh, another guy who relied a lot on his college coach, um Matt Every, who won here at Bay Hill, playing under Buddy Alexander, who announced his retirement from the University of Florida. Yeah, caught, caught everybody by a little bit of surprise. I mean, Florida hasn't had a very good year, but you know, Buddy had uh, you know been doing it a long time, was respected as one of the the, the, the better teachers or coaches in the game. Obviously, well respected as a player, um, and uh, you know, I, I believe he's 61 years old now, and he wants to spend more time, you know, doing some family stuff, watching his son Tyson play golf, and uh, you know. Who can blame him? You know, he's been doing it for close to 30 years, I think. So it's time to time to do something else. All right, I got one for you. Now, you guys co- cover the globe. Can you give us a little background about soon you'll know? I mean, this guy just pops up as a winner. You know, uh, he's 22. Uh, did he did he play golf? Uh, you know, at a no. at a college? No, no, did not. No, he's one. You know, there's there's always a handful of players each year that 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 surface international players, and him being extremely uh, kind of caught everybody by by surprise the last couple seasons uh but no 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 college no amateur background at all for us to know who he was uh just kind of you know 
got onto the got onto the tour, and uh, obviously he's very talented and very good, and uh, we probably haven't seen the last of him. And th- there's other players, you know, that are that, that follow that path, and uh, mainly more so from the Asia from the Asian um, in the Asian community, uh, Japan, China, over there. You know, they don't tend to come to college where the Europeans and the South Americans and even the Canadians find their way to American colleges. We just don't see that much from the Far East. Well, a guy who is certainly uh, a a hot ticket right now and on everybody's radar after the Masters, who I know you have followed for a while, Jordan Spieth. Lance, what do you think about what Jordan's been doing out there? Well, Jordan is just mature beyond his years. I mean, when he when he when he got to college, he had already done some things, made some cuts. I think in two PGA Tour events, had, had it was a decorated junior player. Uh, so he came to college very very well prepared and uh, helped lead Texas uh, to a national championship. Um, so it's really no surprise what he's doing. He, you know, he's obviously very talented. He's not, not, nothing really flashy about Jordan's game. You know, he doesn't have the same charisma that, you know, like a Bubba Watson has or maybe a Billy Horschel, uh, some of the younger guys out there. But, you know, Jordan obviously very talented, and, and uh, I'm sure he's going to be a factor for many years to come on the PGA Tour. Seven first-time winners on the PGA Tour yeah. in the wraparound season. Who else should be, we be watching in terms of, uh, you know, first-timers? Because you're a guy that's watched so many of these players come up through the collegiate ranks. Yeah, well, it's hard to take first-timers. I'm trying to you know, draw, trying to think about who hasn't won out there. But there, there's so many, there's so many young guys that, that can win any given week. Um, you know, you put me on the spot here with a name. I'm trying to think. You know, there's so. You know, the, the, the group from Georgia where you have – and these guys have already won, and they're going to probably keep winning with Harris English and Russell Henley. Um, you know, there's so many guys. But who's been knocking at doors is Eric Compton. You know, obviously he's not a younger one, but, you know, he, he, it'd be a great story if Eric Compton wins it. That's right. Been, and he played at Georgia too, didn't he? Yeah, Georgia, long before those guys. So there's just, there's just so many guys out there, Holly, any given week, and I think we're seeing that this year. And, and the big thing that, 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 that I like to talk about is how – you know, in a day and age when you have some superstars, granted, Tiger's not playing right now, but these guys aren't afraid. I mean, look at the guy who won Wells Fargo last year, and Derek Ernst, who played at UNLV. I mean, no one knew who this guy was, and, and, and they get out on tour, and, and they're ready, and a lot of them are ready to win, and, and they play with no fear, and and, and it's really, in any given week, there's so many guys could win, and, you know, you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. It was, you know, there was, it just wasn't, it took a long time to get comfortable on the PJ Tour, learn the courses, learn the life. Yeah, they got, they got no fear. They come out no. playing fearless golf. No doubt about ready. it. Thanks, They're Lance. Ready. We appreciate it. And, uh, we can, you can check out all the collegiate coverage on golfweek.com. Nobody covers it, covers it deeper than Golf Week. Thanks, Lance. We appreciate it so much. Thanks, Holly. And Rich B, what a great lineup tonight. Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. Jeff Shane from PGATour.com. And Steve Eubanks from the Global Golf Post, always bringing the best reporters in the business to our listeners. Who's Keegan your pick? Keegan Bradley. Keegan, I'm going with Keegan, too. We're out of here. We love you.